my name is Rick. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I'm one of the pastors at Mount Hope and glad to have you here in worship. I have the privilege of opening up God's word for us this morning. And if you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 5. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there should be one in the chair rack just below you if you're with us here in Burlington uh, or click over on your phone or however you access God's word. If you're in your, using your chair rack Bible, we're in Luke chapter 5, uh, about page 861, 861, should be right about there. And we're going to get there in just a moment. It's good to be together with everyone this morning. As, we, um, as you're turning there and just as we take a moment and remember a global outreach, and uh, I just want to take one more moment to pray. Uh, of course, many of us have seen, it's hard not to see all the news that's going on in the world when it comes to Israel and uh, Palestine and everything that's gone on over there in the last week. And there's a lot to be praying for there. But specifically this morning as we're gathered as a community of believers, we have partners who serve there. And, uh, and in this place and in that time, we have families that we support as a part of our global outreach uh, who are there in the midst of this, endeavoring to do ministry. And, um, and I've been in touch with one of our partners this week who is actually was here and was away from his family and is trying to get back to his family. I don't think he's gotten there yet because all the airports have been shut down. Um, and so he's been trying to get creative to get back together. Uh, but his wife and kids are there, uh, and they're in one of the cities that you do hear about on the news. So we want to just pray for them and pray for all those, pray for peace that's, um, that's going on, uh, peace in that situation. I've got friends who I've met there who are uh, Arab Christian pastors in Israel as well, and there's a lot of tension going on right now, even within uh, those who are Israeli citizens between the Arab and the Israeli population, the Jewish population. And it's been going on for a long time. You guys, you know, know about conflict in the Middle East. But we're just going to ask once again, Lord, would you bring peace? Lord, would you bring rest? Lord, would you bring um, resolution here, Lord, to these situations, protect lives? Um, and uh, Lord, would just, just work. Do something that no man and no government has been able to do. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you this morning, and Lord, we recognize uh, our uh, powerlessness, our finiteness, how little we can affect things, and yet we can come to the God of creation. We can come to the God of heaven and earth. We can come to the God of continents and countries, and we just petition you to do what we and no one else can do, Lord. We ask for Israel, for Palestine, for all that's going on right now. We ask that you would bring peace to this situation. We ask that you would bring the war and the fighting, Lord, to an end. Uh, Lord, we ask that somehow you would, um, uh, God, just intervene uh, in these situations, Lord, and bring peace to this part of the world, this part of the world that's so special to you and so important in our salvation story. We especially pray for our partners who are over there, Lord. God, we ask that you would watch over their family. We ask that you would watch over their children. God, uh, we ask that I ask for my friend who's trying to get back to his family. Lord, would you just uh, open up the doors, open up the travel, open up every avenue so he can be back uh, with his wife and children, Lord, today even, and that you would make that possible. 
Father, we pray for protection over those who are endeavoring to minister in the midst of this. Watch over them to families who have lost loved ones. Uh, Lord, um, Father, we just place it in your hands and we ask that you would do what only you can do to bring peace in the midst of this difficult situation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Luke, uh, Luke chapter 5 is, uh, is where we are today. I guess we've all been in the situation, I imagine you have, I know I have, where you missed something important that was going on in front of you. Maybe everyone else got it, uh, but you missed it, or maybe that's only me. I, I, I seem to miss things sometimes that are obvious to everyone else, and, and I sometimes miss something significant or important that might be going on at the moment. Uh, and I think oftentimes that happens to, to many of us in our life and our situations. I think sometimes it happens in church, too. Maybe you come to church on a Sunday morning, sit in a worship service like this, sit among people who are uh, worshiping God and loving God, and you look around and you see something seems to be happening. Like they seem to be getting something from God. Something seems to be going on in hearts and lives, but maybe you're standing there and you're thinking, I'm just not, I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like I'm not getting it. I feel like uh, maybe other people are getting something that I'm not getting, that I'm not quite encountering God the way that people around me are. I know I haven't felt that way at times, and I'm guessing probably all of us have at certain times, been in a, a worship service, been in a church service, where we're like, what am I missing? How am I missing it? What, what is, how is it that I look around and I see these people are, are getting something from God and I seem to be missing something that God has to offer? The passage we come to this morning, we meet a group of people that that's exactly what's happening for them, that they're in a situation where God is present, where God is doing amazing things, and yet they're definitely missing it. They're not getting it. And there could be multiple reasons that you might come into a worship service and a church service that I might come in and maybe that day, you know, we, that particular day, maybe we miss what God is doing. There could be multiple reasons why that happens. But I just want to look at two this morning in this passage that could be true for you, could be true for me. I know have been true for me at times. When if they're true in our hearts and our lives that we could miss what God is doing right in front of us, we could miss the work of God in our lives. So Luke chapter 5, verses 33, we're going to read through 39 this morning, but I'm going to start with just 33 through 35. Let me remind you of the context. Jesus is, as we looked at last week, is with his disciples, and he's in the context of kind of sharing what his mission is and how he'll do, uh, how he does ministry. And he was just coming off a party at, uh, or a dinner at Levi's house, a tax collector, and, uh, and some of the religious leaders were suspicious. Why would you eat with a tax collector and sinners? Well, some of those religious people have another question for Jesus as we come to today's passage. It says in Luke chapter 5, verse 33, And they said to him, The disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, 
and then they will fast in those days. I want to talk this morning for a couple minutes about one reason we sometimes can miss the presence of God and one reason we can sometimes miss what God is doing. Let me explain a little bit what's happening in this passage. There were some religious leaders that were there and, and they said, hey, look, disciples of other religious teachers fast, but your disciples, Jesus, teacher, don't seem to be fasting the way that they fast. What is the deal? Let me give you a little background on fasting. Maybe that's new for you. So fasting, specifically from food, giving up food for a certain amount of time, is something we see in the Bible in, in many different places. You might be surprised to know that it's really only prescribed by God once in the Old Testament, that it's commanded, and that was on the Day of Atonement, that there would be fasting that would take place, uh, a very specific day in the, in the history of God's people, that that was the day that it was commanded that they would fast. But even though it was only commanded that one time, we see through uh, salvation history, through the Old Testament, that many times followers of God, when they wanted to really get a hold of God, when they were in a desperate situation, when they just really needed to get the mind of God on something, they would fast. They would put aside food and say, you know what, the physical needs of my body are not the most important thing right now. And I'm going to remind myself of that by denying myself one of the most basic physical needs of my body for a certain amount of time to remind myself, God, I need you. Lord, I need you more than food. I need you more than the basic necessities of life. I need a word from you. I need direction from you. I need you to move. And so they fast. Sometimes for a day, sometimes for several days. But they stop and they, and, and they fast in order to just get close to God, to hear from God, and to get a word from God. This happens, you see many people throughout specifically the Old Testament doing this. But over time, here's what happened. It went from that one time a year where it was prescribed or those special times where I really need to hear from God to becoming ritualistic into their regular schedule. So that by the time of Jesus, Mondays and Thursdays, were prescribed regular fast days for these religious disciples. That they were supposed to fast. That if you were a good religious person, a good disciple, a good, you know, Jewish disciple of one of these teachers, Mondays and Thursdays you would always be fasting. And not only would you be, you know, pulling back from food, you would kind of let everyone know you were fasting. You would be mournful. You would be sad. You would be like, whoa. Like it was a time of mourning. And, and so everyone would know you're fasting. And so everyone knew Jesus' disciples weren't fasting. And so they say, what's the deal? You're a good religious teacher. How come your disciples don't follow these rules? So that's the setting. And Jesus' response is... This little kind of parable of, well, can the guests of the bridegroom, the wedding guest, fast when the groom's with them? And you, and, and you might say, well, what does that mean? Here's what it means. There was one exception. There was one exception to all the fasting rules. And the one exception was a wedding feast. Wedding feasts, what happened was when a couple got married, it wasn't like 
It often is today in our day that the man and the woman would get married and then whisk themselves away to some tropical location to uh, spend just with the two of them. That's not how things went. How it went was they got married and they had a seven-day, week-long party. And they invited their friends and they invited their family and there were guests and there was eating and there was drinking and it was just a celebration of the covenant that was made and the love that was present, the new family that was starting for seven days. And so for those seven days, the fasting ritual and the fasting rules were not only set aside, they were basically seen as foolish. Like, that would be completely against everything we're doing here, right? You would be the party pooper. We don't want you here. No fasting at wedding feasts. This is a time of celebration. So all the fa- they didn't have to fast during the wedding feast. You would come, you would celebrate. That would be, it would be completely wrong for you to be mournful and fasting in that situation. And so that's the one exception. And so Jesus says to them, look, when the wedding guests are invited and the groom is present, no one fasts. And he's saying, look, this is what's going on right now. Jesus is present. God is everything you fast for, everything you mourn for, everything you're trying to get close to God, like I'm here. And so there's no need to fast. Like, I'm with the disciples. Like, we're healing. We're setting people free. People are being delivered from demons. Like, there's a, there's a party going on, guys, and you're missing it because you miss it when you don't read the room. And they weren't reading the room right. They totally missed the fact that God himself and Jesus himself is among them. The groom is here, and it's a time for celebration. But they were missing it. They were missing it. And I wonder if sometimes those of us that are Christians sometimes miss it because we don't read the room, you know, just using that metaphor, or we just fail to recognize and remember that Jesus is present. That when Jesus ascended into heaven, where he is now at the right hand of the Father, that he released his Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit is among us, and God's presence is with us, and you are never alone. And I wonder if sometimes we fail to read the room and we forget that and we lose our joy and we lose our spirit of celebration and we lose the fact that, it, that there is always hope and never reason for complete despair because Jesus has come and his Holy Spirit lives with us. There are some people sometimes in my life where I've seen people that remember this really well. I remember the first time, actually one of the only times, uh, that I've gone to a uh, Ugandan. I went to a family in the church who was Ugandan, and they were having a, a funeral service for um, a mom that had passed away. And I was I really new in ministry, uh, and I was going as a pastor. And, and, and look, most, if not all, the funerals I had gone to you know, I grew up, you know, in an Italian family. A lot of my family's Italian Catholic. Uh, you just funerals, like, we specialize in them. Like, we, we wear black for years. You know, I've seen Italian grandmothers that'll just, you know, wear black for a year or two years. Or, you know, it's a time for mourning and grieving. But I pulled into this Ugandan funeral, and that's what I was prepared for. Like, that's what I was re- I'm like, all right, we're going to be set. Like, look, I'm going to have compassion. I walked in, and there were these women 
They were already full into the service. They were dancing. They were singing. They were celebrating and right here at the service. And I thought, this is something I've never seen before and I've never experienced. And there was this confidence that Christ was with them and that their loved one was with Christ. That even in the midst of death, even in the midst of, uh, of a situation that can ev evoke grief and sorrow, that there's this... Let's not forget that Christ is in the room. Let's not forget that Jesus and his spirit are with us. I was reminded of this just recently, a couple weeks ago. We went to a, a friend of ours uh, who suddenly and tragically passed away um, just a couple, just a few weeks ago, and he uh, had an accident and left behind uh, two school-aged kids, a son in college and a, and a wife, and, and we were shocked how quickly it happened, and, and, uh, and our family was kind of rocked by it, and, and so we went to this funeral service a couple weeks ago on a Sunday afternoon, and uh, before it, we got to the service, the Family had sent out uh, an email. It was going to be an outdoor service. And they said, just so you know, the family won't be wearing black. And the family asked that you would come dressed in vibrant and, and, and joyful colors. And, and because this, as much as it is a time of grieving, is a time of remembering celebration that our friend Craig is with Christ and Christ is with his family. And as hard as this is, we don't forget that Christ is in the room. And I think there's some, Jesus was telling these guys, look, you're missing it. You're missing that Christ is in the room. You're missing that God is here with you and you're going to be mourning and you're going to be, you know, down and dour. And you're missing what God is doing. And maybe sometimes we come into a church service and we think, well, I'm supposed to be down, you know. I was having, you know, I, it gets me when I see people laughing outside and they walk in the doors of the church and all of a sudden they're going to be serious and holy, like... See that, right? I mean, I've seen that. I, maybe not at this church. Other churches that happens, at, right? We've all been there, right? I've been in services where everyone, they're laughing and joking on the stairs outside the steps, but as soon as they walk in, then it's, you know, holy, and we're all, you know, all going to be serious. Jesus is saying, you're missing it. I'm here. It's time for celebration. It's time for feasting. You're missing it. Second point, reason we miss it, he told them a parable. It says, uh, verse 36, he also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. Here's, I think, what Jesus is saying. Hey, you miss it when you insist on holding on to old human ways of thinking when you come to Christ. So these Pharisees, the religious leaders, they wanted to hang on to their fasting ritual. And so they were missing what God was doing. And Jesus tells them these parables. He says, it's like this. Look, God's doing a new thing. And it's like you have this ripped old garment and you, need, you want to fix it. 
So you're going to take a brand new garment, and you're going to cut a piece from it, and you're going to try and put it on your old garment. And he says, all that does is ruin the old garment and the new garment. You're going to ruin both. And when you try and tack Jesus on to your life, to what you're already doing, to your thinking, when you just try and tack him on, I'm just going to add on what Jesus is to what I already am. I'm just, I got everything else, and I'm just going to add Jesus. He says, it doesn't work that way. In fact, it ruins the old and the new. And then he gives this illustration of wineskins. And let me explain that for a second. You may not understand what's going on there. Here's, a, here's how a wineskin worked. It was literally a skin of either a sheep or a goat. And they would skin the animal, and then they would tan the skin. And, this is, and what they would do is then they would take the skin, they would turn it inside out, and that would become a vessel for holding wine. And what they would do is they would sew it up. You'd sew up the place where you cut it, and then you'd tie off the openings, the legs and the tail. You'd tie that off. And then the neck of the animal would literally become the neck of the wine skin. And the reason they would do this is because these skins, when they're, when, when they're new, when they're first used, they have this elasticity to them. And so they pour the new wine into it, the freshly pressed grapes, and they would allow it to ferment in this skin. And of course, the fermenting process would just expand it and expand it, but the new skin could take it. It could expand with the fermenting process. The wine would age, and they would drink the old wine. But then if you're ever tempted to pour new wine back into that old wine skin, you can't do it because it can't take the fermenting process again. It has no elasticity to it. It can't, it, it can't uh, you know, take the pressure and it'll just burst and you'll lose the wine and the wine skin and everything is lost. And Jesus is saying, this is kind of like what you're doing. You're trying to hold on to old ways of thinking, old vessels, old ways of thinking, and you're, you're elevating them and you're missing what God is doing right in front of you. And I think when we come to church, when we come to Christ, there's a couple things that happen. One, all of us have some degree of theology that we bring with us. You may never have thought much about church. You may not have sat in a church, but I promise you, you bring a theology into church with you. You bring thoughts about whether there is a God, isn't a God, what he's like, what he should be like. You bring it in with you. You bring a way of thinking in with you. And if you want to hold on to your old ways of thinking and not embrace the new ways of thinking, you're going to end up with burst wineskins and cut up garments. You bring a way of thinking. Maybe you think, well, it's all about good works versus bad works. And if I'm good enough, I get in because I'm, I'm better than some of those really bad people. And it's tempted to bring that way of thinking into the church. And I think, well, I'm going to be with Christ because I've done some good things, or at least I haven't been as bad as those people. And if we don't embrace a new way of thinking that says it's only by grace for you or the murderer sitting on death row that no one gets in except by the grace of Jesus Christ. We're going to miss the new thing that God is doing. But we all have these old ways of thinking that we sometimes bring with us. We receive them from the world around us, these human ways of thinking. Well, this is how you're supposed to think about sexuality. This is how you're supposed to think about gender. This is how, and we just want to bring these in, but we don't want to, we want to just have them all and patch on Jesus Christ without allowing Jesus to speak into them. And we end up with torn up garments and broken wineskins. 
Jesus, you can't, you can't just patch and tack on the old to the new, the new to the old. You got to change. You got to allow Jesus to change your way of thinking. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Look, there are, I, I am, I'm, I'm as old and as into traditions as the next person. <laughs> I love church liturgy. I love old prayers. I love hymns. I love all of that. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we chuck everything out, especially the stuff that God has put in place and told us to do, right? We're not supposed to chuck out the idea of fasting, but it was this ritualistic traditionalism, not tradition, traditionalism, that Jesus is saying, that's not going to hold it. That's not going to hold the new. And so, you know, how do we get in there? You know, if you're a Christian and you've been raised and you've been in church a while, we have our own particular baggage. We're really good. We, we, got, we got special baggage. Like if you're, if you're new to church and you're new to Christian, you don't have this kind of baggage. But if you've been in the church a while, you get a special bag you carry. You get this special bag with this special baggage with stuff like, well, I always wear a suit and tie to church. And if you don't wear a suit and tie to church, you're disrespecting the Lord. And who's that guy up there giving announcements in shorts? What is he thinking? Like we got special baggage we carry. And if you want to hold on to that baggage, here's what you're going to miss. The work of God and the life of that young person beside you wearing shorts and flip-flops who's living out Christ in their public school and living for Christ in their, in their generation, in their neighborhood. But we want to hang on to our traditionalism and, our, and we miss the work of God right in front of us. But young person in church, you can do the same thing. All of a sudden, you walk through and you've got anxiety in your life and you've got worries in your life and you're worried about what this person posted or didn't post or liked or didn't like and you didn't get this grade and you didn't get to that class and you're not going to get to that school. And that person and, and, and all of these anxieties and worries are overwhelming you, this kind of old way of thinking without Christ. And beside you, there is an old saint wearing a suit and tie who has weathered storms, and if who you, if you take a few minutes to hear their story, would hear about how Jesus is with you, walking with you. We get caught up in our old ways of thinking, and our ways of thinking, and we miss what God is doing. You're going to miss it. Don't miss what God is doing. Even in the midst of this time in this past year, I remember when the you know, last March, a year ago March, when this all started and there was all this talk, oh, isn't this awful? Isn't this terrible? How is the church going to survive? How are we going to make it? How will everything's like, you know, what? And I thought this isn't, you know, there's a lot of hard things about this. We're going to have to figure some stuff out. But I wonder if God's also doing something in the midst of it. wonder if God's also preparing us for something he knows is coming. I wonder if he's, he's looking and he's saying, you know what, I need the church to be able to pivot and move. I need the church to be able to break out of its, its ways of traditionalism and remember what it is to be a follower of Christ and what it is to be a family of God and what it is to support one another and love one another. And maybe there's a time coming where you can't gather in big buildings and big gatherings like you always have, but you're still going to have to learn how to follow Jesus and make disciples and grow the kingdom. And can you do that? 
So God's at work, but if we hang on to maybe the only, the old ways of doing it, we're going to miss it. I look at this past year, and I, a couple weeks ago, I was on a worship team. You guys can come back. I, I, a couple weeks ago, I was on a base camp. Uh, we would do our base camp at Mount Hope, right? It's our, if you're new to Mount Hope and haven't been through base camp, you know the routine, right? Um, and go to base camp. And I was on our, we've been doing virtual base camps for the last year. And a couple weeks ago, I was on one, and there were two people, there were a few people on, there were two of them in particular that I noticed. One was in New Jersey, and just started attending our church online during this time, was not attending church, was not really following, you know, you know, pursuing God. And she said, you know, this time, you know, has told me that I need to get back to God and I need to get following God. And I, and I remembered that back somewhere in her life, she had some uh, connection uh, to Mount Hope uh, in this area, but now she's living, you know, in New Jersey. And she said, so I went online and I've been attending church and now she's going through base camp and everything to be a part of the church. And she's in New Jersey. And I said, that doesn't happen without the pandemic, without this time, without us being, without our constraints forcing us to be creative. And another person online who was on that base camp, and she said, I haven't been, to, I hope to be with you in person. I've been online the whole time. I've been following and I've been coming to church and being a part of the church this whole time. She lives in one of the next towns over, but she's connected with us virtually during this time. We've had more people go through base camp and come into membership, I think, in this last year than maybe any other year. And I just say, if we're stuck and we, in our old ways of thinking, we're going to miss what God is doing right in front of you. Just don't miss it. Because you can be tempted to go back to the old, even when you've tasted the new. This is how Jesus ends this passage. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires new, for he says the old is good. There's a little irony, tongue-in-cheek line that Jesus gives. He's like, I'm telling you all this, but you don't buy it. You're going to go back to your old ways of thinking. You're going to go back to your old ways of living. You can be tempted. You can be tempted to go back to your old ways of thinking, your old ways of living, because it's comfortable there. But Jesus is calling you to a new place. God's always, he's doing a new thing. Look, the mission hasn't changed. Methods have. God is doing a new thing. So sometimes you'll walk into a church service and you, and you say, oh, I'm missing it. Why am I missing God? Maybe, because maybe you forgot that Jesus' presence is here in the room with you. Or maybe because you're just hanging on to some old ways of thinking, you're trying to tack Jesus onto some stuff that you need to let go of and just fully embrace what God has for you. I'm a little over on time, and so I'm going to pray. The team is going to sing a song. If you've got kids, I'm just going to ask you to go grab them after I pray because our kids' ministry needs to turn over that room before the next service. I got a little excited. I guess we went a little over this morning. So, But I want to pray that God will help us to embrace all he has and not miss him in what he's doing. God's got some new things he's doing. The old is good. There's been some old, you know, things you can look back and say, isn't it wonderful how the Lord worked? But he's got some new things he wants to work and new leaders and new things he wants to work. Don't miss it. Don't miss it because you're stuck on that old.
Lord, God, I think of words of scripture like, behold, I am doing a new thing. Or words of scripture that say, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone. But we have, Lord, our human ways and our fleshly ways that so often hamper us and weigh us down and we want to hold on to. Lord, help us to let go of those, to embrace what you're doing and the new work that you are doing. Father, I pray for those in this room and those who are online with us, God, who may be saying, yeah, that's me. I haven't felt God move. And, and maybe it's the two things we mentioned today, or maybe it's something else that is just hindering or blocking the presence of God in their life. Lord, I pray that this morning that you will break through in each man and each woman's life, that you will encounter them with your living presence and your living spirit, that you will draw them to yourself, that you will reveal yourself to them that you, you would open up our hearts, our minds, and our lives to all that you're doing, Lord. Jesus, don't let us miss you. Don't let us miss you because we're hanging on to something that we need to let go of, these old ways. Don't let us miss you because we're hanging on to tra traditionalism. Oh, Jesus, we need you. Move today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? I want to give you a chance to respond and worship. But like I said, if you got some kids in our kids' ministry, sorry for keeping you over. I'm going to ask you to go grab them to help our kids' ministry workers turn over that room. And uh, let's, the rest of us, sing this song of worship together.